All right. Well, first, I just want to say thank you to Deacon Pam and Deacon Allison for filling in this morning and, and to um, the worship team, the ushers, the sound booth folks. It's um, good to know when you are called on suddenly that there are people around you to help out. So if you're surprised to see me here this morning, you're not as surprised as I am because I didn't think I'd be doing this again for any time soon. Anyway, well, it's probably the understatement of the century to say that we have struggled for the last two years. Actually, I feel like Pam's prayer was the introduction to the sermon. But anything, anyway, sorry, all things COVID, uh, division over whether COVID is real or a conspiracy theory, the whole vaccine, anti-vaccine scenario, the drama of the U.S. presidential election, and yes, that did take place within the last two years, the the um, whole uh, capital thing there in Washington. Sorry, you're getting an echo there. Um, the rage and the anger and the condemnation that has come spewing out of people, the, the unprecedented fear and anxiety we're seeing, the need for mental health uh, resources, um, divisions among Christians, division in our, in our country, division in families, the whole convoy hoopla, and I don't know which side you're on there, so I'm not going to say anything more about that, and struggles with our health system, and to top things off here early in 2022, we have soaring prices and inflation and a war in Eastern Europe. And that doesn't even take into account the usual things that we struggle with in our lives before COVID and even still, things like spiritual, relational, financial, uh, vocational, health, family, those kinds of struggles. And I'm talking here today about the family of God, the children of God, followers of Jesus who are struggling with these things. And so I want to ask a couple of questions here this morning. Uh, where is God in our struggles? What does he think about us struggling, and what does he want us to learn from all of these struggles? Well, to answer these questions, we're going to look at God's word, and there is no lack of struggling among the people of biblical times. Uh, one person who struggled was Jonah, as we've already heard, and we're going to look at how Jonah struggled to see how we can better understand our own struggling here and now. So uh, Deacon Allison read the passage for us this morning, and she said that Jonah was called by God to take a message to the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh in those days was in Assyria, and Assyria was the enemy of northern, the northern kingdom of Israel. And actually, Assyria would be eventually responsible for northern Israel's demise. During the time of Jonah's ministry, Assyria had become known for their cruelty and their brutality toward their enemies. Not only did they use horrific means of torture, but they proudly boasted about their cruel treatment of others. Archaeology has actually found uh, evidence of this boasting in documents and even drawings in caves. And all this sin, all sin is abhorrent to God, but God knew the sin of the Assyrians, and he knew that the time had come to deal with it. So he says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach a message against the city. And Jonah went, but he didn't go to Nineveh. He went this direction, to Tarshish, as far as he could get away from Nineveh. 
And what Jonah was really doing was running away from God, as if he could. Jonah's decision to flee to Tarshish, Tarshish sorry, was an act of disobedience toward God. And just like when our children disobey us, God needed to discipline Jonah so that he would under the, understand the importance of obedience. So our a reading that Allison read for us said that God sent a powerful wind, but the actual translation there is much more uh, significant. It said God threw or God hurled a great and powerful wind. It's like when somebody hurls a, a spear. God hurled a great and powerful wind at that very spot in the sea where the ship Jonah was on was sailing. And the result, an incredible storm of such humongous force and strength erupt, erupted around the ship to the, to the extent that they feared it would be ripped apart and they would all die. So all this utter chaos is going around the ship and within and the sailors and, and Jonah's having a nap. You know, he's obviously not a light sleeper. But anyway, the crew are terrified. And these are pagans, we must remember. These are Gentiles. And, and they prayed to all kinds of gods. So they thought the only thing to do to be saved from this horrific storm was to pray to their gods. And any god in this situation would do. So the captain runs and wakes up Jonah. Get up! We need your god as well to pray to. Maybe he can help us. And they didn't know anything about the Israel's god, obviously. But this was no ordinary storm. It was a storm purposely sent by God to teach Jonah a lesson. So once the sailors realize that Jonah is the reason for the storm, he confesses that he is a Hebrew and he worships God, the creator of the world, the creator of the land and the sea. So Jonah then shows mercy to these pagan sailors by telling them to throw him overboard. He knows what's going on. He knows he's run from God. He knows God is disciplining him. And he said, just throw me overboard. I'm the reason for all this so that you will live. But these sailors want to show mercy to him as well. And they try to row back to shore, and they're rowing, but they're not rowing against the wind and the waves. They're rowing against the God of creation. But finally, the time comes when they've thrown all the cargo overboard. They've gotten rid of everything they could have. And then they realize it's time to throw Jonah into the sea, even though they're terrified that God's, God's, uh, Jonah's God is going to judge them for his death. So. Jonah goes into the sea. What becomes of him? He's saved from drowning by the mercy of his God. God sends a fish to swallow Jonah. And just a very quick little sidebar here. Don't get hung up on the big fish. Too many people over the centuries have got hung up on the big fish, the great fish, and they miss the great God. Our great God is the God of miracles, and if it's his purpose in his purpose to provide a fish that a man can survive in for three days, then God is more, more than able to provide that kind of a fish. He is the God of miracles. So what's really going on here in this passage? What's really happening to Jonah? Why is he running away from God? 
Well, the heart of the matter is that Jonah is struggling with God. He's struggling especially with God's character. God has told him to go and preach against Nineveh. And we're not told the message that Jonah is to preach, but Jonah is a prophet. He knows the message that the prophets are to preach. It's always, you will be judged unless you repent and turn to me. That's the message that they always preach from God. And this is a problem for Jonah. This is what he's struggling with. He knows God's character is one of justice and mercy. But Jonah thought the Ninevites only deserved judgment. And yet he knew God. He knew that God would always hold open that little window of opportunity for repentance to the Ninevites where he could show them mercy. And this upset Jonah. Now we aren't told why he wanted the Ninevites to be judged. Some Christian scholars have suggested it was because they were Gentiles, but he had no, pro no problem being with the Gentile sailors. Perhaps it was because of the Assyrians' cruelty, or perhaps, perhaps even more closer to home for Jonah, he had heard the prophecies of some of Israel's other prophets that God was going to use Assyria one day to judge Israel. Whatever Jonah's reason, he wanted God to pour out judgment on Nineveh, not show them mercy, not give them that opportunity to repent. And this is the heart of the matter for Jonah, he, he, that this was his struggle. He struggled with God's character of justice and mercy. But instead of seeking God about it, he fled from his presence. He ran away. So justice is one of those attributes of God that flows out of his holiness, which demands that sin be judged. And God is the only fair and partial judge, for he knows all. He knows, knows everything. And God's mercy is compassion extended to someone who deserves punishment. And that's all of us. Paul said, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserved that death that Jesus died for us. We all deserved punishment for our sin. But there's the mercy of God that his son took the penalty instead of us doing. It was like the time I got pulled over for speeding many moons ago. It was a 50-kilometer zone. It was a school zone. It was at 12 o'clock. I didn't see any kids coming out of school yet, but I was late for an appointment, and I was zipping along at least 70, probably a bit more. Anyway, next thing I see is a police car behind me, and I thought, oh, I deserve this ticket. I knew I was guilty. I knew I had been speeding. But he pulls me over, and, and yet I didn't get the judgment. I got mercy because all he did was give me a warning. He said, just slow down. And I said, okay. And I did for a while. But anyway, <laughs> I deserved that ticket. I deserved judgment. But that was mercy. And I knew that day that I'd been shown mercy. And we all have been shown mercy because we all have deserved judgment. God's justice and mercy are, are not at odds with each other, but rather work in unity with each other. His greatest act of justice and mercy working together is the cross of Jesus Christ. God's justice demanded that our sin be punished, but his mercy was shown in taking that punishment on himself, dying in our place. So Jonah is not the first person in God's word who struggled with God's character or his decisions. And we see this in, in throughout the scriptures. Abraham negotiated with God when he planned to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Moses struggled with God over the antics of the Israelites in the wilderness. Jeremiah not only struggled with his call as a prophet, he thought he was too young, but he also struggled with the message that he had to speak to Judah about their sin. And the Psalms are filled with David's struggles and probably the greatest example in all of scripture of someone struggling with God is Job. We have 40 chapters of Job struggling with God about the nature of his suffering. And Job does not mince words with God. But in none of these cases where God's people are honestly struggling with him, do we see God threatening to strike them dead or threatening to pour down fire and brimstone on them? There were times, like with Jonah, when God had to discipline his people and they're struggling when it became sin. God's issue with Jonah is not his struggle with justice and mercy, but that he sinned against God in his struggling. He deliberately defied God's command to go to Nineveh. In the examples of Abraham, Moses, David, Jeremiah, and Job, they all communicated with God in their struggles. They took their struggles to him, and it was okay that Jonah struggled with God, but it wasn't okay that he sinned against God. And this is what God wanted Jonah to learn in the storm. Like Jonah, we all struggle. That, that is a given. None of us is going to argue with that. And Jesus struggled during his earthly ministry. We have the account of him in the Garden of Gethsemane just hours before his crucifixion. We see him weeping over Jerusalem. And we, too, struggle with all sorts of things in life. And I do believe today that it's okay with God that we struggle. I remember hearing a pastor preach one time that to be a Christian is to struggle. And I remember either, it was either my first or second day at Acadia Divinity College, I remember one of the professors saying, it's not the students who come in here who are struggling that concern me. It's the students who come in and think they've got it all together that concern me the most. God didn't create a bunch of robots. He created us with brains, with the ability to think and reason and make choices. God created us with emotions so that we might feel and relate to one another and to him and to love and have compassion and mercy on each other. God wants us to use what he has given us and turn to him in our struggles, in our sufferings, in our joys, in our experiences of life. We are, after all, in a personal relationship with Jesus. So the message today from Jonah is that it's okay to struggle with God, not to sin in our struggle, but to be honest with ourselves and God about those things that we are thinking about and dwelling on. Pastor Borden has been talking about spiritual disciplines and actually bringing our struggles to God is practicing the presence of God in our lives because we are coming into God's presence as we talk to him about these things that are on our heart. And Pastor Borden has mentioned several times the Spiritual Disciplines book by Adele Calhoun. And I also have that book. And one of the spiritual disciplines she mentions is the discipline of honesty. She calls it truth-telling. But honesty is a spiritual discipline. And as we talk to God about what we're struggling with, we do need to be honest with ourselves and with him. I think we tell more lies to ourselves than to anyone else sometimes. 
God knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're struggling with. So why don't we take it to him instead of risk falling into sin? And how do we sin in our struggles? By heaping judgment and condemnation on others, by not seeking God's direction, not showing Christ-like character, allowing our anger to become sin. And the big one that I got convicted of yesterday as I was preparing this message, grumbling and complaining. I've been doing a lot of grumbling and complaining lately about those greedy, power-mongering oil companies who are just trying to gouge the little person. Uh, I have a weekly rant about Nova Scotia Power, Sobeys, and if you like Nova Scotia Power and Sobeys, or if you work for them, that's just my issue, not yours. Oh yes, and my favorite one, the media. And yesterday, as I was preparing the sermon, God always preaches to the pastor first, the preacher first. I was convicted about that because I wasn't taking those to God and talking to him about that. Our honest struggling is going to bring us face to face with God and his character. And this was the situation with Jonah. God was teaching Jonah in his struggles and he will do the same with us. He reveals himself to us in our struggles. And perhaps we, like Jonah, struggle with God's justice and mercy. Maybe we don't want God to show mercy to those who were in the convoys. Maybe we don't want God to show mercy to Vladimir Putin or the Russians or or our neighbor next door who keeps playing loud music all hours of the night. Maybe we don't want God to show mercy to that convict that just got released from prison. But like Jonah, we may want God's judgment for those we deem our enemies, but we want mercy for ourselves. If that's what we're struggling with today, then we need to take that to Jesus and talk to him about it. We need to allow him to help us in our struggles. Our struggling must all, always be done in the context of our personal relationship with the Lord. God doesn't have a problem with our struggling. He wants to use our, struggling, our struggles to grow us up in our relationship with him and others. He wants to use our struggles to grow us up in our faith and our Christ-like character. And I have this wonderful example um, that I read about this week of somebody who was struggling and took it to the Lord. I'm assuming she took it to the Lord because the results would, would say that I can't imagine she didn't do anything else. Uh, I get a weekly email from Voice of the Martyrs that gives an update every week about different countries where Christians are being persecuted and they, they um, talk about specific things that happen and how we can pray for them. Well, this week, one of the stories was about this lady in China, and I'm not 100% sure if I'm pronouncing her name right. I had to look it up. It's spelled Z-H-O-U, and from what I gathered, if YouTube is correct, it's pronounced Joe. So I'll just call her Joe. I can't even begin to go to her last name. Um, but anyway, about 2015, I think it said, she started struggling with the problems that China was facing, and she came to the conclusion that China would never be able to have any kind of victory or deal with their problems until the president of China and his wife became followers of Jesus. So this lady, Joe, went often to Beijing to this particular gate where the president and his wife passed by every day and she would hold up a sign 
with the gospel message. And over 50 times she has gone to this gate to hold up this sign, different signs with the gospel message. And she's been detained by police. She was arrested once. She was um, driven out of her own village, but it does not stop her. The latest time that she did this was February 20th, and it said she was detained by police. But I find it ironic that when you read about how many times Chinese authorities arrest Christians and keep them in prison for long times, that she keeps getting out, and I think there's the Holy Spirit. But here's a woman who obviously was struggling with China and brought those struggles to the Lord, and how the Lord is, has used those struggles in her life to allow her to have that boldness and confidence and courage to want to see the president and his wife become followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all get a sign and go to Ottawa and stand out in front of Justin Trudeau's home. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, I think we should be praying for Justin Trudeau and all world leaders that they come to know Jesus. But what I'm saying here is as we bring our struggles to God, he's not a passive listener. As we bring our struggles to the Lord, whatever they are, whatever we're being honest with him about, he is doing his sanctifying work in us. He's transforming us to become more like his son in character. Our struggling should always, or eventually, I would hope, lead us to the cross. And what I mean by that is even Jonah recognized his sin. He was being disciplined because of his sin, and yet God showed mercy to Jonah. God sent a fish. And God has shown mercy to us in our sin. He sent his son. Jesus Christ died for the sin of all people, including us. And it's only as we look to the cross that we begin to understand the depths of God's justice and mercy. And I believe as we take our struggles to God that we begin to see God's going to show us some of those things in our own lives that perhaps are sin and that we need to bring to him. And, and as he heals us and uses us as well. So today I simply wanted to bring a message of encouragement. These are difficult, difficult days. Nothing has surprised me more than the last two years. I just keep thinking, what else is going to happen? I didn't see that coming. And I'm saying, I didn't see this coming. It, they're just unprecedented times, and we are struggling, and that's okay. But, but don't, don't suffer in your struggling to the point that you keep them to yourselves or you sin, sin in them. Bring them to God. He loves us so much. He cares so much about us that he wants us to talk to him about it. The Christian life is about a relationship between the creator of the universe and us. God loves us with an unfailing love, and he is waiting for us to come to him and to talk to, us, talk to him about those things that we wrestle with. And God is there for us. Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you today that you are the God of mercy and justice, as well as love and grace, that you are faithful, that you are righteous and holy and sovereign and all-powerful and all-wise and ever-present, just to name a few of your attributes. We thank you, God, that you are for us and not against us, that you care about every little thing that we care about, and that you invite us to always come to yourself. Your word is filled with those passages that say, come, come, 
come, and you're inviting us to come to you now with our struggles, so that we don't have to be alone in them, that we can find relief and peace. Maybe we won't find solutions, but we know that as we take them to you, that you are working in us. God, I pray for each person here who is struggling today with whatever it might be, that they would hear your invitation to come and they would know your love and your acceptance and the peace that you want to put into each one of our hearts as we come to you. Pray these things now in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.